Welcome to Further Up and Further In. I'm Amy and I'm here virtually with Michelle. Yeah, this is a first for us. Hey, Amy, we are recording on Zoom because... I got the vid. You got the vid. Yep. And so far, it's been very mild for me and and not a big deal, but still following the the guidelines and staying at home. So we are... uh, by necessity, we're trying different technology. Yes. We're demonstrating to everybody else that there's a way to do life and keep moving forward. Yes. And we're a week late because I'm not healing on schedule. So that's my fault. Yeah. So as we do our podcast and do all this authenticity with people, here we are in all our glory. Yep. I assume. And so we have a, a tricky topic today. We do have a tricky topic and one that seems to be more tricky these days. I think it's always been tricky, but maybe we all just feel the press at the same time right now. Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to talk about, or you had the bright idea. So you share the bright idea. My bright idea um, (laughs) was uh, talking about unity, what it means, what it doesn't mean. All that stuff, because I've just heard in a lot of, you know, I've read and had different conversations with people and kind of different um, uh, levels of and spheres of of reality that I've just been hearing a lot about it and and almost kind of like there's an assumption we all know what it means and all knows what it looks like. So we don't need to spend some time on that. We can just go past it. Yeah. So I thought, man, this would be a great topic at least to rumble with. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk about unity. It's very divisive. (laughs) I think this isn't the first time I've had a grumpy attitude about a really good idea you had. It's true. I'm so sorry, Amy. (laughs) This is the beauty of our team. We're such a good example of unity and diversity, aren't we? It's true. Yeah. Do you know what's easier with two people than 10? Uh, Or 100 or a million? Yep. Mm. So it's a really good topic. So we had to like figure out what do we mean by this? And by the time we'd had a really great conversation together, you were like, we should have just pressed record. I know. (laughs) If only we could just flow with the same ease today. Yeah. So I don't even know where to start with this because I thought through the reason why I was like, I don't even want to talk about this is because I'm tired of trying Mm. and feeling like it's hard. And maybe like other people don't want to walk in unity unless I agree with them. Ooh, okay. And I feel my soul feels worn down by that. Okay. And interesting. So my ideas are like, well, I can have unity with people that think like me, but I hate that because that's like a core value to me to have that like friendship and diversity. Yeah. But I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of wanting it when other people don't want it. Or I'm tired of a pretend unity because I think that's yucky. I don't like that. So we're going to have to figure out what we mean by unity. Yeah, because I would say, um, I mean, I totally am with you on all that. 
And another aspect is I've been hearing kind of on the other side that's confusing to me is like the idea of, um, well, we can all think differently. We all have our own individual beliefs, but we can experience, but we can still be united and in unity and kind of like, that's pretend unity to me. Right. And, and, uh, but where it's like, it doesn't, we don't need to have anything in common there. We need to hold nothing the same or the same values, but we can still be, have unity. Right. So it's kind of right. It, it, that also is confusing to me because I think unity implies united with something. There has to be something that we hold in common that uni- unifies us. Yes. And so I guess it'd be the, what is, what is the in common? Yeah. And how much in common is required. (laughs) Right. And so to walk in true unity, I think we have to be able to live in the tension of diversity. Yeah. So we have to, but what does that look like when we're just sort of ignoring things that we're actually bothered about, but we're, we're like, but we're going to walk in unity. Even Mm. though we think differently on these things. So where does that break down? Yeah. I mean, that breaks down at the point of when we're using unity as a way to peacekeep. Mm -hmm. But what about when we have really strong different opinions? So we are actually not super showing up authentically. We're walking around all kinds of landmines and all kinds of like elephants in the room. That's hard. It's hard. It's really, really hard. So when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, so walking in unity in my marriage is a thing we kind of have to figure out how to do. And we're very diverse, right? We're just very different personalities. We're male and female. We're biologically different. We have different needs. And sometimes we have very different opinions, but we kind of can't do life together. It's like we're marriage is a three-legged race. (laughs) Yeah. We have to figure out how to stumble along together. And sometimes it's a nice, easy racing stride. And sometimes it's very stumbly and awkward. But what holds us together is our covenant with each other and with God Mm. takes Mm. precedence over preferences. It takes precedence over passionate opinions. So, I mean, where this, some of our definition here today is probably going to be a little subjective. Yeah. But what this means. So I'm just going to share some of my experiences. So then I thought, well, what's my next level of unity? You and I are different. We do life really well together. Mm-hmm. We don't agree on everything. We haven't made all the same choices for all the various things we can choose. Yep. But we feel called by God to function together in a way that honors the differences because what we hold in common and do together matters more to us than those other opinions and thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. I also feel heard by you Mm -hmm. when we have different ideas, we listen carefully to each other. Mm, Yeah. I am not trying to persuade you to agree with me on a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm not even passionate. I can feel really strongly about some things and you can feel really strongly about some things, but we listen to each other. Mm -hmm. So I took it to the next level. I thought, okay, now who else do I have unity with? And I thought we have a small group. Some churches call them cell groups, life groups. It's like we gather weekly. Eight of us, nine of us, 10 of us. I don't know how many we are right now. And uh, man, we had to work through some hard stuff with all this pandemic business. Mm. Are we going to meet? Aren't we going to meet? 
can we say that this guideline covers this or are we feeling like we're kind of pushing an edge there where that's going to breach our conscience? In our group, we have do vaccinate, don't vaccinate, um, I don't care. So we have like really different opinions that are affecting our whole lives mm-hmm. on different stuff. And it felt like it was going to shatter us at one point. It was like, we can't even meet people. We just had such strong emotions. They were experiencing so much pain in their workplace with their biological family in marriages, husbands and wives with different opinions. And we made space to listen to each other without ever arguing. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you're experiencing. What it makes you sad? What are you afraid of? We just did so much listening to each other. We actually did that for weeks. Mm which feels like a really long time. When I look back at it, I was like, man, we just gave all that. We, but we still kept getting together. We didn't just like say, well, we're just not going to do this right now. It was very interesting. We had to get together to decide whether we should get together. Yeah. And when we got together, what protocols were we going to observe to be wise and thoughtful and cautious and respectful? And when I look back at that, I think we spent so much time listening to each other. I can picture one of the ladies across the room for me, and I could just see how much angst and pain she was in. And the best thing I could do for her was let her tell me everything she was feeling without me telling she, her she was wrong for any of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't agree with her on all of it. One person's thought was the government would never tell me to do anything that was bad for me. And I'm like, you are so sweet and naive. I wish I could just rest in that place. (laughs) Like, really? The government is not God. The government is made of humans. It's fascinating, right? But we did listen to each other without ever arguing. Mm. And what was really interesting is that we came to the end of everyone feeling heard. And it was like, what are we going to do now? Mm. And we, we, we just didn't make a decision that day. We went home. And we have a group text. And by the next week, everybody said, I want to get together this week. And when we got together, we were all in this of the same mind that in this difficult time that we're in, which is funny because the pandemic is the thing that's hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. But within our group, we have mm-hmm. some divorces. We have cancer. We have dealing with painful parenting issues. And we all realized that the one thing we needed more than anything else to get through all that was each other. Mm -hmm. We needed to gather together. We needed to worship. We needed to pray for each other. We could not do all the things that were happening in our life without each other. Mm -hmm. And we found that to be a scriptural principle. Yeah. So it wasn't just our thoughts and our feelings and our ideas. It was all of those things and the word of God as applied to what we were dealing with at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was like a, powerful experience of coming to a place of unity and diversity Mm. took a long time. And it was a little bit messy because when people's really big fears and emotions start coming out, you have to sit in that with them and feel it. Yeah. So I'm going to let myself feel your pain, not just my own. Mm -hmm. We're so tired. We don't want to feel each other's pain. We can barely handle what we've got going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right there that the, the listening to each other and, and hearing and sitting in it is such a huge component to the reaching of unity. Mm-hmm. And in, and all those kind of different things is there is a, there's a common held value. 
or something that is highly valued above that both or all parties are together of one mind in that while all the other stuff is not all of it, but there's a bunch of varied stuff going on. Exactly. Yeah. And we see that like I, I, when you and I talked, I talked about, well, the next level is the whole church congregation. And for sure, I have very different thoughts and ideas on a whole spectrum of things than the people I gather with on Sunday morning. But why are we there together? Why did we pick that spot to meet together? Mm. Because we're unified in our desire to worship God together corporately, not just me doing my own thing over here and to represent Christ in the community. Mm -hmm. And so we have a unifying purpose and reason to be there. I don't have to agree with them on (laughs) all the things. Somebody has a very different opinion about how I should be treating my cancer. Well, that's nice. Thanks for sharing with me. I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me for us to worship together on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me of one of the things that kind of brought on this topic was just, uh, I was reading a book called redeeming power, understanding spiritual abuse in the church, maybe by Diane Langberg Landberg. And she was saying one of the common things that she's, she's a licensed psychologist that primarily works with people like with sexual and spiritual abuse um, survivors. And one of her things was the amount of times that church leadership had used unity to tell people to shut up basically. Right. That it was like, well, you don't want to, Oh man, this allegation, or you, are you saying this? Like, you don't want to, you know, you're coming against the church unity, right. That it's like, that is not unity at all. That's, that's we see that loud and clear, like in the hard things, like you're talking about, like silencing abuse, but we've seen that even in the current issues of mask or no mask vaccine or no vaccine, there is an element of get along or get out. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that grieves me. It shouldn't happen. It certainly should not happen in the church. It's where of all things we should gather together around. I mean, the visual for me is the communion table. Mm -hmm. we've been called to set the table and say to whoever will can come. Yeah. And then because of our understanding of how do we navigate civil law, how do we navigate loving our neighbor as ourselves? It's getting complex and messy. Yeah. But there's kind of a thing of, well, this is a posture we pick, get along or get out. Mm. And that's where division is happening instead of unity. And that breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. And there are real things to wrestle with. What does it mean to love my neighbor? And what if you and I have a different opinion on how we demonstrate that love? And what are we going to do about it? Yeah. I wish that we could turn to scripture and have some tidy answers. Yeah. but we. And I'm just going to leave everybody hanging on that one because there's not. No. People came to Jesus all the time about details of the law. Mm-hmm. And they would, you know, what do we do about this? Do we pay taxes to Caesar? And he's like, yeah, because their motivation on that one was greed. Mm-hmm. And then like, uh, you're not allowed to heal on Sunday or, you know, your disciples picked some grain without washing their hands. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? The law serves us. We, it doesn't, 
it's not a, you know, a taskmaster over us. We put people first always. We always put people first above the law. What are you talking about? So he was forever going after heart issues. And I just want him to say plain and clear, do this or do that. Oh yeah. Right. And that's just like that, the clear black and white, this or that is just like, our brain likes that stuff. It's oh, yeah. safe, right. It saves us. I energy, want it. I'm going right? Our And our, just even how our brain is like our brain categorizes things. We like mm-hmm. to be able to put things in the box. And I've been thinking about that. Like, man, why is this, you know, it's always been a tricky topic and, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing a lot of people like, and me, right. Just like emotions and feelings around it all. It's like, what's, and it's like, man, I wonder if our brains are so tired of adjusting to all mm-hmm. the new that there's been mm-hmm. no routine where our brain can kind of go into easy things that it's constantly doing new things that it's like, we're trying to categorize things to save brain power. Yes. Cause our brain is tired, but we, we can't on a lot yeah. of these issues. And so it is like, right. It's just like one of those things that I'm like, huh, that makes sense to me. Why, why there seems to be such a strong want to be like this or that in a wide variety of things and why it seems like from my perspective, it's like people are getting more and more polarized. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why are we not all coming together? And I wonder how much of like the brain we're tired and we, we are just increasingly just putting things into boxes to like save brain power. I think there's an element of that, that we should acknowledge. Like we are beings with psychology. I think there's also the reality that I really want people to validate my opinion. So I know I'm right. Oh yeah, totally. And it's almost like every time we don't agree, we get rattled in who we are. Yeah. And our place within the community, because every time someone disagrees with us, it carries a threat of rejection in our culture. Mm. Yeah. I mean, cancel culture was happening before COVID. Yeah. Like in the broad culture. And so if you don't agree with me on the nuances of a complex topic, you might cancel me. Mm. And the threat of rejection registers on a brain scan, like extreme pain, like a gunshot wound. Yeah. And that fascinates me because that tells me that at such a deep level, I am wired for belonging, whether I'm an extrovert or an introvert, we are wired by God for belonging. And the threat of not belonging is big. Mm. Yeah. A, I want to know that I'm right. So if you agree with me, then we all are reassuring each other we're right. And if we disagree, do I still belong and am I still loved? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, my husband often often says, um, how does he say it? I'm gonna butcher how he says it, but that's okay. He doesn't listen anyways. Um the well, says, sense to you and me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like what you said there, where it's like we have gotten um, we have so entwined our thoughts and opinions with our identity that if someone challenges or someone disagrees with our thoughts and opinion, that, that we automatically also go to, well, then they're disagreeing with me as a person. Yes. And he's like, our thoughts are not our identity. And it's like, huh, right? Which would, like, I could see, like, as those all get entangled, then it is, right? If, if someone disagrees with my perspective on something, then I could see how that would land land in the identity and like, oh, they, they disagree with me 
am I still loved? Do I still belong? Am I still wanted? Because I don't think like this person. Yeah. 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 And, uh, uh, that makes me think of something my friend Scott Whitford said lately, recently, and he does listen to our podcast. So, Hey, Scott, Scott. (laughs) we love that guys listen too. uh, so he was telling me how he's been starting to ask people this question because we're we're always, you know, aware right now of differences around COVID protocols, for sure. People's opinions on that are varied. And can we just say that CDC recommendations have changed from month to month? So who's right? We don't even know, right? Everything that we were ready to punch somebody in the nose about a year ago, it's changed because we discovered new things, which tells me we should just chill for a minute. Yeah. Anyway, Scott says, So when you're having these conversations with people, the question he asks is, well, do you judge people that think differently than you? Mm. And he said, consistently people say, well, no, I don't judge other people. They're free to have their own opinion. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, I do, but I try not to. (laughs) That's why I was like, people aren't very self-aware or are not very honest, but our default is to think, well, I try not to, even if you're going to say, yeah, I know I do, but I really try not to let that, you know, influence how I treat them. And then the second follow-up question is, do you think other people judge you for having a different opinion? And instantly everybody's like, oh yeah, of course. So can we just pause and look at that thought for a moment and ask ourselves, are we wrong? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What if, what if a major part of this leveraging disunity right now is because we believe an accusation that may not even be true? Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are judging us, but they're trying not to, just like we're authentically admitting, I am, but I'm trying not to. Yeah. What if mm-hmm. all of this is this house of cards? Yeah. And there's very little substance at the root of it. When we talked about doing this topic, I had actually been on the phone with somebody I love that I've been friends with for years, like not F O R U R, but forever, like a long, long time. Yeah. And we have a different opinion on a current matter and I'm okay with that. The value of our friendship for the past decades and what I hope that we will continue to maintain a friendship matters a lot to me, but often feel like it just gets thrown into every conversation, evidence of why her opinion is correct, mm. but no space for me to have any conversation. This I just doesn't want to hear mine just Oh, and by the way, this, and then move on to another topic. So I feel like it's always thrown in there, whether it is intentionally or not. I have no idea. I get off the phone. I'm like, I'm just tired. I'm just so tired of this. And I was like, well, why does it matter, Michelle? Partly probably my personality. And, you know, we've done our group Berkman. I like to be heard. Mm. And so there's no space for me to be heard. So I feel disjointed over that. I also want to go to a place of offense. Mm. It's easier since this feel, feels like pain to me, if you also wanted to know my opinion and would listen to me and my thoughts and ideas, then I would feel more connected. Mm. So because I don't have that, I feel like this is a case where I'm trying to maintain unity and I feel discombobulated. Mm. So I kind of thought through a little while, I was like, I actually just have to address this. As a mature believer, I think I just have to say, this is a place where I could take offense. And the long range view of what matters that God has given us matters more to me Mm, yeah. because in two years, I don't think this will be an issue. It could be something else. And maybe there is like a, something to be addressed in the quality of the friendship where I can say, I don't feel like heard by you. Mm -hmm. That would be an authentic deepening vulnerability. I can do that. 
And I can also just say, no, I'm not going to withdraw from this person Mm. because they matter to me. And I think God has given us something good that Satan would like to destroy. And I won't do that. Yeah. So I still think we're having a level of unity there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, So offense is something we have to acknowledge. Yeah. That's a really uh, good point of, uh, and you said a couple of things of um, things that can come against unity is uh, believing accusations that the enemy is throwing at us that that may not be true. Right. And um, being aware of places that offense in our hearts can be right. Cause Mm -hmm. I think, man, when I'm thinking about it, it's so easy for me to ascribe the, re- the cause of disunity because of someone else, yes. right? Well, I want to be unified, but they clearly don't jerks yeah. or whatever yeah. that it's like, man, the, the self-examination of like, okay, if I'm feeling like there's a struggle here for unity or that disconnection or that there is strife or whatever it is, where you just recognize that it's not what you want it to be. Is like to first be like, okay, Jesus, where am I contributing to this? Where are the places in my heart that I've moved away or judgment or offense or accusation? Because, yeah, as soon as we start looking to, to someone else as the cause of the disunity, we're, we're kind of contributing to increased disunity. Yeah. And I think there's a lot we can do about that. Like in that little scenario I just used, I can say, man, I actually don't have the margins right now because I actually don't. Mm. I'm, <laughs> I'm fighting battles on a few fronts to have the conversation about I need to be heard. But that's on me to have that conversation. And I can just say, I don't have it right now, but Jesus, I just give you my sadness. I give you that feeling of offense and I break every agreement I've made with any kind of bitterness or judgment there and just come and fill me up. I need you mm-hmm. to comfort me before I can continue to press into this battle. We can pause there. We can tuck into the garden with Jesus Mm. and let him talk to us about what's going on in our own souls and to comfort us because we need a lot of comfort right now. Yeah. Things are hard Mm -hmm. and we aren't going to cope by having another glass of wine or denial or more Netflix isn't going to fix anything. It's going to make us more tired or posting another Facebook post. (laughs) Right. Oh, don't even go there. (laughs) And when I think of that, I, I think about how Jesus talked. Uh, he had so much diversity in his disciples that he handpicked. Yeah. So he's got three years to do this assignment. And he handpicks. I think watching The Chosen really helped me with this. Recognize what an insane idea he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's pick a tax collector who works with the Romans and a few zealots that have been killing the Romans and, you know, some more educated, some less educated And they were all as human as you and I are. And they would want to gravitate towards people in their, what we call an echo chamber now. People who agree with me Mm -hmm. on how this should be done. And Jesus handpicked people that viscerally believed very different things on a level, Mm -hmm. political level, actually. An education level, a socioeconomic level. And God said, there's one unifying thing. Jesus said, come be my disciples. I'm going to show you how to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Mm Mm-hmm well crap and has he said the same thing to you and i yes to i mean not you and i you and i all our listeners like is this what our, the call of the church is yeah you can have some really radically politically different ideas 
really radically different ideas on health and wellness and how you spend your money and how you raise your kids. So many opinions. And he said, come and gather around the table, the bread and the wine. And let me teach you about loving your neighbor, releasing the kingdom of heaven here on earth, feed the poor, heal the sick. Mm -hmm. We have a unifying call. And I think we get so muddled up with what matters and what, because it does matter. Something Mm -hmm. matters. All things matter. But what is the primary thing that matters? Yeah. And are we compelled enough by that to surrender my right to be right on a whole bunch of other stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Cause I want to be right. Just so you know. Yes. <laughs> so, um, while we were, I think, well, for sure. While I was on my couch and maybe we weren't recording, I had watched a sermon from a church in Grand Prairie mm. and, uh, the pastor was like really boldly naming out like truck convoys and things. And I'm thinking, doesn't she know you're not supposed to do this from the pulpit? Cause you don't want to divide people. And I'm like, where's she going to land on this? And the whole world's on fire over this. And, could we not just talk about Psalm 23 or something? My goodness, where's she going with this? <laughs> and she did a brilliant job. If you want to look it up, I don't remember which Sunday it was, but it's something about Joshua, Jericho trumpets. Anyhow, she reads this verse out of Joshua five and the children of Israel have come through the river and they're heading up towards Jericho. And it says, in Joshua 5, 13, it says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? And this just like, just like stopped right there. I was like, I feel like the whole world, certainly on social media is approaching everyone gingerly. Are you on my side or their side? Mm-hmm. Are you my friend? Or are you my foe? Because there's nothing in between. Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? Mm. And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. It just hit me so much. This drawing the line, whose whose side are you on? You know, Joshua is in this really vigilant mode of being in a land that's not safe. And so this is what he needs to know right up front. And I mean, this is obviously an angel says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And I thought, oh, but we think if you're on God's side, you're on my side. Mm, yeah. And the, the, the um, ambiguity of neither. I, I'm, I'm here as a messenger from the Lord. Mm. And Joshua's response, he had to humble himself. to hear what the Lord wanted him to do. Whatever preconceived ideas he had as a warrior, because he was a warrior, he had to lay them down. He had to take off his sandals. He'd face down worship. What? And then this humble posture of what do you want your servant to do? Mm. And the Lord gave him his instructions and he did it. And here's where I feel our compelling call to unity. We, all the things we've talked about, I think absolutely apply. We believe them. That's why we're saying them. And then there's this point of, Everything that I think divides the line between, are you my friend? Are you my foe? We lay it down and we say, God, what do you want us to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a place of tension, a place of that's ambiguous. If I could open to a chapter and verse and tell me exactly what it looks like to love my neighbor in this situation, when I've heard everybody argue their case nine ways from Sunday, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. 
It's a place of humility. It's a place of vulnerability. And it's awkward. We don't know what he's going to tell us. And if he tells us something, are we going to do it? Mm -hmm. And is he most likely going to tell someone else something different? Could happen. We had this in our small group where someone said, I feel the Lord told me to get vaccinated. And someone else said, I feel like the Lord told me not to. Mm -hmm. And someone else's mind just went poof. Like, how could God tell two people to do two different things? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you read the Bible? Yeah, I was like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, he tells different people to do different things all over the place. Why? Because one size doesn't fit all. Yeah. We're not all the same people. We don't have the same bodies. We don't have the same assignments. Yep. So again, it comes right down to what do I value most? Well, I value obedience because God does. And I value honoring each other because God does. Yeah. And that's not a comfortable place for my humanity. No. Yeah. So I guess what we would ask our listeners today, that if this is a place that, okay, If this isn't a place that you struggle, then maybe you're not being honest with yourself. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) what, what, right. But to first right, some of the things we brought up to do in those areas where it feels like there's disunity to do some self-examination of how are you approaching it? What are you, where, what are you carrying or not carrying into those things? And then once those things are cleared away, listen as best you can not getting defensive, not, not rising with your arguments, biting your tongue. If you have to surrendering your right to be right, surrendering your right to be right. And just listen to the other people because listening to the other people without raising any objections to it is not saying you agree or approve of what they're saying. What it means is that you're giving them space. And that you value them enough to listen to them. Yeah. Exactly. It's one of the greatest gifts we can give to another person. Mm-hmm. And I think finally, ultimately, we have to ask ourselves the really awkward question. What is our greatest and highest value? Mm-hmm. Is it being right? Is it in this case being vaccinated or not vaccinated, masked or not masked? Like these are just the current issues we're dealing with. Which way you're going to vote? Is that the most important thing to you? Do you feel a compelling call? To love as Christ loved, to love God and serve others. And serving others means surrendering a lot of other stuff. Kingdoms have come and kingdoms have gone. Plagues have come and plagues have gone. And our assignment as followers of Jesus has never, ever changed. Follow God. Bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's always been the same. I thought often lately of um, Paul's letter to Timothy, young Timothy leading a church. In 2 Timothy, he tells him, Endure suffering with me as a good soldier of Christ and soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, but then they cannot please the one who enlisted them. Mm. That was a bit of a filter for me. How much of this is civilian life and how much of it authentically is the kingdom of God? Mm. Because Mm. I've heard thrown around so much people supporting their point of view is that we're loving each other and we should. Sometimes I've wondered if they're just saying, let's be politically correct because that's loving each other. Mm -hmm. Loving each other is really going to be about sacrifice yeah. because that's what Jesus demonstrated for us. And so we haven't given like easy answers for anybody because we don't have easy answers. We have a lot of rumbling and we know that's what our listeners are going to do, but we hope it's been helpful because we know that this matters. 
Mm-hmm. And so we bless you listeners as you absorb all of this and sort out what is Jesus saying to me? We bless you with a radical obedience and a courage to follow what Christ is telling you to do in spite of the risk, in spite of the cost, because that's how we go further up and further in. Thank you.